Greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Program. Hey, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the Steadfast and Law program. You know, we've had a lot of conversation with pastors. You know, we've had Eric Metaxas on here talking about his letters to the American church. And I think it's so important we continue to talk to pastors about what we see happening in the country and how the church has to make a stand and the body of Christ has to make a stand uh, because we're facing evil in these times, and I'm very concerned about that. So we're being joined today by Pastor Brandon Thomas. He's the founder founding and senior pastor of Keystone Church, which is right here in Keller, Texas, where we tape our uh, show. He holds a Master's of Divinity degree and a doctorate in church growth. His doctoral work was titled Connecting Postmodern People in Gated Communities to the Local Church. We're going to talk about that. He also helped form the foundational principles of Keystone Church. He is the author of Soul Search. He and his wife Susan have been married since 1998, and they have three daughters and a son. Pastor Brandon, thanks so much for it's being a here pleasure. with us. pleasure. Hey, let's talk about what brought you into the ministry. Was there a road to Damascus moment for you? And, you know, where are you originally from Texas? Yeah, so I'm a preacher's kid. Uh, that and was it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a preacher's kid, yeah. and sometimes that can go a lot of different ways. Yes. You know, there's a lot of jokes about that, but uh, for me... I was loving the Lord and I was following the Lord truly, and uh, but I was not going to follow in my father's footsteps mm -hmm. just naturally. Mm -hmm. uh, God kind of had to speak to me about it, and He did. When I was a senior, actually just graduated from high school, I was at a student camp, and God spoke to me very clearly, and I responded, and I haven't looked back since. Now, in your progression of now being a senior pastor at Keystone, mm -hmm. I mean, did you start out as a youth pastor? I right. mean, what was your progression for you? So um, I've done a lot of different things in ministry mm -hmm. uh, through the years, and being uh, just my freshman year in college is when I really started ministering and really started trying to help people and reach people uh, with the good news of Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, then I, I, I've served in different churches, but ultimately in 2004, late, late 2004, mm -hmm. my wife and I, we really were led by the Lord to start a church. And so we started it in our home, and that was Keystone Church. Well, fantastic. And that was right here in Keller? That's right here in Keller, actually North North Fort Worth, which is technically Keller, but yeah. it's kind of Fort Worth. Yeah. Uh, but we started out there with a whole lot of homes coming up, and, uh, and then God has moved us into a school, then moved us into a, a lease facility, a furniture store, and then recently we just built our first campus. You have an amazing campus. I was fortunate to be able to go over and speak to some high school, uh, a football team mm -hmm. there. I mean, what was that vision like to, to take you from being in your home to where you are now on right. this magnificent campus where you are serving the body? You know, like anything, 
Um, I think that I learned a long time ago, like especially my doctoral work, I looked at the doctoral and I'm like, how can I do this? Mm -hmm. It's so big and it was bigger than me. Yeah. And, um, and, and God gave me that word. It's that leadership principle, one bite at a time. Yeah. How do you eat an elephant? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Yeah. And you know, that's the way God does. God just asks you to be obedient today. That's it. And when you're obedient today, you put together a few days, you've got a little beginnings of yeah. a pattern, you put together some months and you, something has changed. And, and it's just the faithfulness in the everyday. Uh, God began to give us a vision to do something beautiful mm -hmm. that, that when people drove by, it just echoed the beauty of God. And so we wanted to build a beautiful campus, yep. but we wanted something that was iconic, that could last beyond us, mm -hmm. uh, that the generation after me, thinking forward, uh, would embrace this campus. And uh, we just wanted to be good stewards of the vision God had given us. Now, how did you come up with the name Keystone? I mm. think it's great. Most people will think about Cornerstone. Right. But how did you come up with the name Keystone? You know, Keystone, um, it, it has, in the history, in the arch, the Keystone's what holds the arch together in Roman architecture. Mm -hmm. And and that was really our vision, is we, we felt like that the church in any community has a purpose to hold that community together. Yeah. And sometimes that's holding it together in, in un, unity. Sometimes it's a prophetic voice that holds it together. Yeah. But that was our vision. And, and Keystone has two elements to it. There's the key, mm -hmm. which is we want to unlock life change for yeah. everybody. But then there's the stone. We want to build your life on something that's right. On Christ, the solid right. rock I stand. You got it. Now, you know, I remember, you know, and I don't know if you like classic rock, but I'm, yeah, a, dude. I'm a Rush fan. Come on, let's go. Let's I'm in. Go. And, and the song, Neil Peart. Ma, what <laughs> a loss, go. man. What yes, a loss. Brutal. And, but, you know, I remember the song Subdivisions. Mm. And when I saw this, uh, your, your, your doctoral work, Connecting Postmodern People yes. and Gated Communities to the Local Church, I thought about that song Subdivisions mm -hmm. in our high school walls. And everywhere we create these subdivisions. You know, when you look at these gated communities, mm -hmm. it's kind of like we are separating That's ourselves right. away. And it says in the Bible, we're to forsake not the assembly of ourselves right. together. How can we reach all of these people that now all of a sudden are saying, Hey, you know, I, I just tune in online. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, but that's not the answer. Right. It? No, uh, you, you nailed it. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, which is the custom of some. You know, some people were even doing it. Can you imagine in the first century church, there were people in that church that had seen the risen Christ and yeah. still. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so if they struggle with that, yes. you know, we're going to struggle with yeah. that. And so uh, I think that the, the answer for them and the answer for us is, is several fold. Number one, you need to, I believe when you gather as a church, it should be the best moment in your week. Yes. I mean, God is there, right? So we want to create a moment that is worthy of the creator of the universe being in our presence. So we want to enter it with excellence and something that they can't get online is the feeling yes. and and the people and the conversation that interaction and interaction community. you got it and then i think secondly is uh an experience with god that you can have an experience with god through mediums like this absolutely mm -hmm. but there's something special about when god's people come together and you experience him with others it just breaks through a lot of noise and so that's that's it for us is really providing something that would woo them out yeah. into personal relationship. Yeah. You know, I found it so interesting because I'll never forget 9-11. Mm -hmm. um, right. I was stationed at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, wow. doing a, an exchange with the United States Marines. And we were there in the operations center when we saw the, the, the flight hit the, the second tower. Uh, and we knew right there, okay, 
we've got to go into planning mode. Something's up. We've got to figure this out. Then you hear about the Pentagon, and then you hear about, you know, Shanksville, Shanksville, mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. You know, the place where everyone wanted to go was the church. I mean, that's where everyone said, we, we got to go to the Lord in this time of tragedy. But then you fast forward to 2000, right. and we go into this COVID pestilence. And the first thing the government wants to shut down are our churches. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you feel that there is a sincere and dedicated, almost intentional, pur purposeful assault against our Christian faith, our Judeo-Christian faith mm -hmm. heritage today? Absolutely. In Ephesians 6, it talks about our, our, our battles not against flesh and blood, yeah, but against uh, principalities and powers of darkness. And there is a... There is principalities. You could even see it as worldview. Yeah. Um, there is a secular worldview that is dominant in Western culture right now, and um, I don't view it just as a worldview. I believe it is. It is the first European-born religion. Uh, it's secularism, yes. uh, born out of uh, you know, not to get too deep into it. Marx and Engels. Neo-Marxism. Yeah, absolutely. Marx and Engels. Yeah, secular absolutely. humanism. I mean, absolutely. Marx was an enemy of God. Marx yes. saw religion as his enemy because he wanted to make people believe that man and government, little g, instead of God with a big G, they could create a utopia. They could create all these things for you here on earth. Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing that we see these principles creeping into a country like the United States of America right now. I think part of it is we, we fell asleep on our universities. Mm, um, we, we fell asleep on our universities. We'd send our kids and uh, we'd hear about a little rumblings of, oh, they're not really teaching what we believe, but we, there used to be a joke, right? Like you would, you, would, you would have all these ideologies that you learned from, from school, but then when you hit the real world, all of a sudden- Light you, comes on. Yeah, the light comes on <laughs> yes. and you're all of a sudden conservative politically, you're all of a sudden conservative, yes. at least f fiscally. Yes. Um, that's not true anymore. Um, it has is, it is really started to seep in, and I believe it's what I wrote about. It's that postmodern ideology born out of the neo-Marxism, born out of uh, the Marxist ideology, which is ultimately there is no truth. Uh, we get to create truth. And if there's no truth, there is no God. Yeah. And so uh, today with, 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 the, with the ideology as it is, you have people that there's, it is full-blown religion. I don't know it if it, it, it truly is. You have evangelists. You have tithes and offerings. Mm -hmm. um, you have uh, acts of faithfulness. And you have consequences if you do not fall into the Persecution orthodoxy. and prosecution. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and so amazingly, because this moral relativism and this new religion of the left, which says that, you know, God wasn't smart enough to just have Adam and Eve, male right. and female. I right. mean, we can decide whatever we want yeah. to do and whatever we want to be. And how is it that we have churches and pastors that are falling in line with this? Because I read in Romans 12 and 2, we're not supposed to conform. Right. to the world. We're supposed to transform by the renewing of our minds. So what is it that is going on? I, I read the book Woke Jesus mm -hmm. and all of this stuff that's happening in, in the church today. How did it get there? Yeah. You know, I believe uh, there's, I think sometimes pastors have a sincere heart. They want to connect with people and there's a sincerity in their heart, their desire to reach people that are far from God. Sometimes though, we can forget that we also have a duty of being salt and light yes. and, and that, and that when the culture 
has run so far from the Lord, there has to be some voice that calls the culture back to truth. Mm -hmm. And about people coming back to church, um, I found that a lot of the churches that are really growing right now, and there are a lot of churches really growing right now, most of the churches that I have found that are growing right now, they are serving that prophetic voice to the culture. Yeah. And the culture is coming back. They want to hear it. Yeah. They want to hear something different. Um, often there's something in their soul. and I'm God-shaped talking God-shaped hole. Yes, there's a God-shaped God hole, hole. And they're looking for truth that's different than what they'll hear on the radio. So I believe that, that it's, a, it's, a, it's an absent-mindedness almost. And sometimes... It's not just absent-mindedness of your calling to really help. It's also an, a lack of understanding that we're giving away the next generation yes. if we do not speak. The next generation is utterly being annihilated by this secular worldview, and, and we're losing them. Mm -hmm. And so if you are soft as a parent, your kids will deny Christ. You yes. will grow, and you'll wake up, and you'll say, wait a second, I didn't sign up for this. Mm -hmm. But they're in their 30s, and they want nothing to do with Jesus. They don't want to go to church. They don't want to come to your Christmas service. Mm -hmm. They don't want to do any of that, and you're bro brokenhearted. We're seeing this. Yeah. And so there's a real burden in our heart to at least for the young generation. You know, it's, it's interesting you say that because I remember I, I grew up in the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And Sunday morning, you got up, you did your chores, you had breakfast with the family, and you were off to Sunday school. And, you know, all of us would come out of our houses at the same time, pretty much, you know, get together, walk to our respective churches. And you were in Sunday school. You were in church all day. Uh, if you tried to fall asleep, someone would wrap you upside the back of your head. Uh, Wednesday, you were going to, uh, you know, Bible study or you were practicing in the youth choir, even though you could not sing. During the summer, you had church retreat. Uh, for those of us, you had church uh, sports league, being basketball, baseball. How do we get the church back engaged mm -hmm. with young people like it was for me growing up? I, I, I want to give you hope on this. I believe the number one felt need that I run across with people is the parenting of their children. And when I talk to other pastors, they're saying, we need more resource for parenting of our kids. Mm -hmm. And what they're really asking for is tools and techniques, but what they really need is the church. You know, and and the, and the, and calling to what you're talking about, where the church is a part of your lifestyle, mm -hmm. and other things have crawled into the throne of our heart. And and I'm a big sports guy. I love sports. I have my kids doing everything. College football season, man. Oh, I'm so, so happy. All those upsets. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, folks here in Fort Worth, but y'all ran to <laughs> y'all ran to a storm this past yes. weekend with Colorado. Yes. But yes. you're right. I mean. There's so many things that we can tap into our young people, but it was just the same as when y'all invited me over to speak to the, the local high school football right. team. We got to make that connection. And I remember back in the day, before a high school football game there in Atlanta, you had a local minister to pray yes. over the game. I mean, now today you get a bad letter from the Freedom of Religious Foundation <laughs> and all of these chuckleheads, but we got to have the courage to stand up in these times. That's a, that's a key word, is courage. Um, I, think, I think courage, and I believe some people would be courageous if they understood. You know, part of it is a battle of convincing and, and really compelling people to understand. Like, I think if more pastors understood, you were losing the next generation. They might find their voice. Mm -hmm. um, but, but courage is the ingredient. Sometimes it's, God, would you, would you show me what to do? But then the next prayer is, now that you've told me what to do, God, would you give me the courage to That's do it? Right. 
And courage was revealed in, like you said, during the pandemic. Um, it became very, very clear uh, the power of groupthink. Mm. Groupthink is a nasty thing. Mm. It's unbelievable. Mindless lemmings. That's exactly right. And I, I think of the book 1984. Yes, sir. George Orwell. Here it, we are. It's shocking. Yeah. It, I mean, that used to be just an entertainment read yes, of a sir. cautionary tale. Now we're seeing it laid out in front of us. And I, I, I truly do believe that, our, that when we understand as church leadership that, hey, it's here. Um, groupthink is real. We need courage to pierce through. And, and God's given us everything we need for that. You know, I've watched, you know, several of your sermons and mm. you're powerful. You're, you. you're courageous. You are, I always tell people, fortune favors the bold, and mm -hmm. you are bold, and that's what God told Joshua, to be strong and of good courage. You're supposed to be bold and know that, you know, the Lord is not going to leave you nor forsake you. Why is it that some of these pastors are worried about a 501c3 status? Mm -hmm. I mean, right. God is not going to ask you about your 501c3 status when you show up before you. That's right. That's so true. And, and you know, I, I, I go back to... Um, First of all, calling, you know, have you truly been called? Um, some, I, I've grown up in ministry and I've known some people that they took it as a path of least resistance. The ministry for them was that. For others in different, in, in different environments, I've been made aware that for some people in their community, for them to go into being a pastor was a pathway of honor. And so they wanted that honor and, and they've even shared with me, you know, that's how I got in is I just, I wanted to be in a position of of influence and leadership. And, and I think we've got to find that calling and conviction and that, that really when you sign up for this, you're putting a, a bullseye on your chest. This is not something that is privilege. Um, God will bless us in the ministry. And, and I've certainly have been blessed with a great family and great wife and some dear friends in a wonderful growing church. Um, but you have to be willing to pay a price. And I think if I were, if I were coaxing people and we do, if we, if I was coaching people, on being called to ministry, I set the bar high, not low. Absolutely. I mean, when, I'll never forget when I was at Airborne School, uh, Sergeant Black had Airborne the instructor said, you know, man, if you set the bar high, you're going to jump high. Mm -hmm. If you set the bar low, you're always going to jump low. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the church and the body of Christ has to do once again, is returning to our first principles, returning to the word and standing on the word and in truth and understand that there are people looking for that light, like you said, and that salt. And if we lose the flavor of the salt, then we have to be thrown out. So let's talk about, because there'll be some people from the left, you know, watching our little conversation, mm -hmm. and they'll say, and maybe some people also will say, uh, you know, Republicans or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, you Christians should not be involved in all this political right. speak. I mean, that's not your place. And, you know, Romans 13 says that, chapter 13 says, you're supposed to be subject to government, but we're supposed to be subject to righteous government. That's right. Am I right? That's so right. how do you explain to your congregation that you just don't sit back and you allow people to make laws to say, you know, your children are ours. Mm. And if you don't affirm our religion, you know, gender mutilation and gender dysphoria, we'll take your children away from mm. you. Because last time I checked, it said train up a child in the way that they should go so that when they grow old, they shall not depart from it. It doesn't say government train up your child. You know, no Solomon doubt. was talking to you. No doubt. Mom and dad. No doubt. But now we can't even have mom and dad. That's right. So how do you, from the pulpit with conviction, Get people to understand, you just don't, you can't lay down and take this. Yeah, I think that, um, first of all, it, it's helpful for us to remember where Christianity came from. 
um, how Christianity was not embraced by the Roman Empire, that the Roman Empire was soaked. It was a oh, Christianity was a threat. That 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 the Roman Empire was just soaked with sexual immorality. I mean, of all sorts, and that's the environment that the Christian Church came up into. By the 300s, though, it had been such a dominant force so that, that Constantine was like, hey, let's just make this the official religion. How did that happen? And there's a great book. I wish I could remember the name of the author. It's called The Rise of Christianity, and it talks about the power of the church. Again, like we said, step by step, day by day, and never giving in, never uh, always holding fast. In my, in my doctoral work, there is a, uh, a wonderful um, uh, librarian in the school of Alexandria mm -hmm. and he was the church was being heavily persecuted because mm -hmm. they would not bend mm -hmm. they would not bend and they were misunderstood and he had an audience with Caesar and he went before Caesar and he was basically said hey you think you think this that's not true you think this that's not true and so he was standing on truth mm -hmm. speaking boldly but then he said this he said come walk with me if you'll walk with me, I'll introduce you to a church and you'll see struck, they do not strike back. You know, you'll see people that give, you'll see people that, but he was not bending his truth. So you can have truth mm -hmm. and you can have compassionate community at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I'm convinced that combination is what changed the Roman world. It is a truth. And you see that also with, uh, again, I'm geeking out a little bit with you, but uh, on no, history, yeah. St. Patrick. Yes, um, the whole Roman world was was falling to German influence and falling into paganism, and many believe that St. Patrick's work in Ireland, it literally saved the Western world. And what was it? It was his truth. He held, he held to Orthodox Christianity, but also community. And again, back to the point, get in church, have a, have a vibrant community that's talking about these things and wrestling with these things and, and challenging one another, but don't let go of your truth. You can have your truth, and you can see people at the same time, and that's what you need to do. But interestingly enough, you bring up the story of St. Patrick, the true story of St. Patrick. Mm -hmm. But now the world, society, has just turned into a drunken debauchery. That's right. That, that's what we think of St. Patrick's Day, mm -hmm. green beer. That's right. We don't, we, you know, we don't think about you know, who was St. Patrick, oh. what did he stand for, yeah. what did he mean, and, and why is he a saint? Yeah, bold courageous he was he was um he was an unbeliever mm -hmm. but his parents loved jesus mm -hmm. and his granddad was like a was was in the ministry mm -hmm. and so uh but he was captured and he was sold into slavery to ireland mm -hmm. he spent many years suffering and he found jesus god miraculously sent him back home where he trained to be a minister and then guess what he did he went right back to ireland he spoke their language he gave them an alternate truth. That's the problem, is we want to bend the Word of God to echo our culture yeah. rather than letting it stand as it's different. And that's what's attracting people today, is I want to hear something different. I don't want it to blend in. Um, and, and then he had compelling community, and he would go one community at a time at a time, and his, the communities that he left behind literally changed that island and changed the world. Incredible. Yeah. You know, I always talk about this whole false narrative on the separation of church and state right. because I think there's so many people in the church that have fallen asleep and, and believe this when Thomas Jefferson basically was saying we don't want the government to create a religion which is what we see kind of the government doing now uh, with policy and trying to make it into law 
how do you explain separation of church and state yeah. to the people that come and, and ask you that question? Oh, well, first of all, we, we, we are allegiant to one kingdom. That's the first, is the first kingdom can rise and fall with different kings and Caesars and leaders and uh, whatever it is, we have we serve the kingdom of God. And so that's our first king. So you do not serve United States of America above the kingdom of God. So if, if America is telling you don't preach, you preach yeah. because we serve the king. Now, with that said, we do fall under the local government. And here's, the, as you mentioned and quoted accurately earlier, um, what our calling is to do is to go change it. I mean, our calling is to not hide back and separate, but to the best, what we preach at Keystone is, I'm I'm preaching to some high school students, I want you to be the next mayor. I want you to run for Congress. And what's what's the best version of our country is when we're closer to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So so in the Word. Absolutely. And I've done a little bit of study on this, certainly not as much probably as you have, but but I come away from my study, you quoted Thomas Jefferson, I come away from my study, and and I see in in our origins, they were not looking for a secular society. No. They were look. They truly believed in a Christian society, at least a deist society. Mm-hmm. But they, but most of them were looking for a Christian society. They just didn't want to pick one. Yes. They didn't want the Church of England. Yes. They wanted freedom for you to choose your denomination and all yeah. that. Uh, if you understand what they came from, they didn't have the freedom to choose those mm-hmm. things. So they wanted the freedom to choose how you worship. But it wasn't the freedom uh, from religion. It was the freedom for religion. Absolutely. And, and it's interesting because, folks, you, you go back and read about that letter that Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptist mm-hmm. Convention of right. Connecticut. And the concern of the Baptists were, was that the Presbyterians were getting too many inroads in the government. And they're like, hey, you know, I thought we weren't going to have that. And Jefferson wanted to reassure them that there will be, you know, you know no respect of any type of religion. We're not going to have any established type of religion. And it's funny you talked about making a stand uh, because that's what Thomas More did. Mm-hmm. You know, go back and look at the incredible film, A Man for All Seasons. Uh, when he stood up to King Henry VIII and said, you know, I worship God first and I, and I worship you second as the yeah. king, but I'm not going to worship you as, you know, God king. Mm. Uh, and he lost his life for it. Yeah. But that's what's at stake nowadays. So I want to tell you something. Uh, you know, before we came on air, you asked me about the little tomahawk here. And I explained, you know, you all know about the Black Robe Regiment, the, the ministers, the pastors who came out of the pulpit during the Revolutionary War because they understood that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Second Corinthians 3 and 17, I believe. And they understood how important that Judeo-Christian faith heritage mm-hmm. was for us. And as you see there, 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 5, preach the word in season and out. And so therefore. Oh, man. Wow. Pastor Brandon Thomas is a recipient of the Steadfast and Loyal Black Robe Regiment Tomahawk. Wow. Because he is the embodiment of 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 5. So I just want to wow. say thank you so very much. Thank Pastor, you. Wow, you honor you me do. with this. Seriously, thank you, you very you, much. You earned that. I appreciate that. And continue to preach that word and continue to grow Keystone Church and continue to encourage the next generation yeah. of Christian leaders. Thank you. Very God bless kind. you.
Bless you. Thank Thanks you. for being here with us. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us on the Steadfast and Loyal program. And thank you to Pastor Brandon Thomas for his insightful words and inspirational words for us in these days and times. If you like this podcast, as always, please click the like button and share it with others. And until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down.